Well, good evening. Good to be with you tonight. I heard a preacher say one time, or somebody said it about him, that he was just liable to preach on hell on, at Christmas time. And on July the 4th, he'd preach on Christmas. And I think that might be a good idea tonight. It's 70 degrees out there, was it today or yesterday? Warm. But it's all about climate change, and we know all about that. And um, uh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 4. Good to see you all tonight. Some old friends, some new friends. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. I don't know if you uh, have this habit here. If you'd like to stand while we read this short passage, you can remain seated if you want to. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I want to speak tonight on the subject of the mission. The mission. Father, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd be with us now, and God, that you'd bless us, and Lord, that you'd help us to bring forth this word. Oh, we pray you'd speak to our hearts, and Lord, we thank you for those who are gathered here. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, suit a blessing to every heart or a challenge, uh, conviction, whatever is needed. We pray, God, that you would bless uh, throughout the remainder of this evening. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for what we've heard tonight and being able to sing together. Now we pray, God, that you would speak to us from your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. From the time of the fall of Adam and Eve, God had mission for his son to fulfill. The ancients tried to determine what it would be and where it would take place. I think some of them had an idea of what was going to happen, maybe not all the details. I would think that Abraham had some idea after God asked him to offer up his son and then uh, stopped him when he saw that he was willing to do it. I read there that uh, Abraham, when he got the command to do it, he got up early. We need to be early about God's business when he calls us. And I'm sure that uh, some of the others had some idea uh, that uh, Christ was going to come. Because it says in 1 Peter 10-11, Of which salvation the prophets inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that would, should come unto you, searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of God, which of Christ rather, which was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And we know that Isaiah prophesied about someone who would come and suffer and die in our place. In the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, it talks about 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of a peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And so it's uh, very plain there, the prophecy of Christ in chapter 53 of Isaiah. By the way, they found two uh, complete books of Isaiah in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it silenced a lot of the critics because they used their carbon-14 method to date that, uh, those scrolls that they found, and they proved that it was before the time of Christ's coming. And I've said that if it had been a week before his time of coming, it would have been tremendous to know that there was a prophecy about him and which he fulfilled. I want you to notice, first of all, about the mission here that he gave in Galatians 4. He said, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He said, uh, when the fullness of time had come, he was due. When the fullness of time had come, he was due. That's uh, point number one. God uh, doesn't get in a hurry in his plans. Uh, He knows exactly what he has in mind. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And no one uh, is his counselor. Uh, He knows everything about you tonight. He knows whether you believe in him or not. He knows whether you believe in his son. He knows all about you. And uh, God does not get in a hurry. Some people are worrying today, and I suppose we uh, have a reason or cause to worry about everything that's happening in our world and how some wicked people are uh, doing things and seeming like, a, uh, seeming like they're getting away with it and nobody's uh, stopping them. But notice what he said in Deuteronomy 32, 35. To me belongeth, this is God talking, is to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. So God is going to take care of all. In due time, their calamity will come. God will take care of them. What we need to do as his children is just keep on working, doing what he told us to do. Romans 5, 6 says, But when the, we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm thankful for that, that Christ died for the ungodly. I feel like uh, uh, somebody said that Holy Bradford was his name in England, died. Uh, I believe he was the one that said, here goes a, a, an unholy man or something along that line. Here goes a, a, an unholy man when he passed, was passing away. And yet they said he was one of the most holy men that people knew around at that time. And so uh, the closer I get, uh, and I realize it could be very close, uh, me leaving this world... I see in me uh, the wickedness that Paul spoke about in chapter 7 of Romans. And he said, a wicked man that I am. Uh, I think the closer we get to that time, the closer we get to God, the more we see how unholy we are. But I'm thankful that in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. And uh, 1 Timothy 2.6, he said, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So... uh, 
the Lord came in due time. He tells us that in First Peter 5, 6, that if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us in due time. Uh, the second thing I see in this verse is that he was dispatched. It was, he was not only due, he not only due to come, and I'm talking about Jesus Christ, but he was sent. He was dispatched. Uh, I suppose you've all heard that uh, motto of the Hallmark Card uh, Company, you cared enough to send the very best. And God cared enough to send the very best. His only begotten Son. Are you with me tonight? I'm hot. I'm warm. You want to see the rest of this red shirt? There it is. I may take my tie off, but that's it. Okay. Well, glory. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the feeling that God had when He sent His Son? God God gave up His very own Son. That's what He wants us to understand. Can you imagine when he, how He felt when He dispatched Him to this world to be born in a manger? A very humble birth. His parents were poor because they, when they offered in the temple, they gave the the poorest of the offering. So they didn't have a lot of money. He, the Bible tells us that he didn't have a place to lay his head. Our Savior. We feel like we have to have this and we have to have that. And uh, we've got to have a house with uh, three, three and a half baths and, and 15 rooms and so on. We've got to have a, a living room that's... Uh, 60 feet long and 45 feet wide. We've got to have all these things. Jesus Christ didn't have a place to lay his head. Your Savior, my Savior. I remember when our daughter and her husband went away to the mission field. And I remember the the sadness. They were going to, uh, to Africa and we didn't know what was going to happen to them. We didn't know. Uh... Whether they would uh, be killed or whether they'd have some disease and die, we didn't have any idea. But there was a sadness there in our heart. Uh, make me think of, uh, of how God uh, must have felt when he sent his son into the world. You say, well, I, I don't know about that. Well, I feel like, it, I feel like there was, there's a lot of love involved there and there was uh, a you know, we can grieve the Spirit of God, so God could have been grieved. He could have uh, uh, felt sad about Jesus coming. And when uh, Jesus died on the cross, uh, so to speak, God turned his back on him. That probably was one of the worst things that Christ experienced in the whole thing. And uh, I remember when our daughter left, and I went to... Uh, uh, before they left, I went to the drugstore or someplace to get a card to write a note to give to them. They could read on the way. And lo and behold, uh, Bob Mack, uh, many of you have met him. He's been here. I'm talking about Bob and Becky. Bob's sister was in the same store. And she saw me and tears started coming in her eyes. She was saying goodbye to her brother. 
And she just came up and threw her arms around me. I didn't know what to do, but just give her a hug. She needed somebody to comfort her. And uh, I, I believe that God was grieved in his spirit and his heart when, when he sent his son to this earth. Many times we don't think about what God went through to give up his son. Thirdly, I want you to see that he was deity in the flesh. He's not only due, he's not only dispatched to this earth, but he was deity in the flesh. The Bible says she, she, he was made of a woman, made under the law. And uh, it was mentioned by the pastor a while ago, he followed to the, the law to the uh, perfect degree. He humbled himself, as it said in Philippians 2, 7 through 8, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what Jesus Christ went through for us. The suffering. When they got through with him, he didn't look like a man. His face was swollen because they'd pulled his beard out. They'd beat him over the head with rods, reeds, and they'd jammed that crown of thorns down on his brow. And I remember... As a teenager working on my uncle's farm, uh, my brother, my older brother and I contracted clearing off a field for pasture, and it had these huge thorn bushes and trees on it. I remember uh, having to crawl on your stomach to trim some of the lower branches because you couldn't get to the base of the tree to cut it. And I remember those long thorns on there, and I thought about that later, what it would feel like to have those thorns made into a crown, those uh, thorn bushes made into a crown with all those long thorns on it jammed down on your brow. They beat him in the back with that whip that tore his uh, back open and various insides were exposed. I can't go into all the detail. I don't think anyone has ever suffered like our Savior suffered. I don't think anyone's ever gone through the torment and the suffering. When he took all of our sins, and imagine, here is a man, a God-man who is uh, completely innocent, pure and holy, taking all the filthy and godly things upon him to bear our sins. I may say tonight, not only our present sins and our past sins, but our future sins, because... His salvation is complete and perfect, and He saves us and keeps us. Otherwise, we'd never make it to heaven. I thank God tonight that He was deity in the flesh. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Can you imagine that? I was planning to preach on uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and about His name called Wonderful. Uh, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I got to thinking about how wonderful He was. But I I felt led another way. I didn't feel like I could quite get a hold of it. But I'm saying tonight that Jesus Christ, our Savior, when He came into this world, as we sang the song tonight, or tried to sing it, I'm sorry about the mandolin not being in tune, but... Um, it must be the heat and the humidity or something. All of a sudden, I had it in tune before. But anyhow, uh, I'd just like to, uh, like to say that he, he knew what was coming. 
He stood up in heaven and he looked down through time and he saw what was ahead. And he knew that he would be born in a stable and that he would die eventually on the old rugged cross. Our Savior. That's who we rejoice about tonight, isn't it? That's who we give praise and glory to and thankful for. I hope you don't get all distracted by gifts and so on. Yes, I'm not against it, but sometimes, it's been said many times, we get so involved in that. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, only begotten of the Father, rather, full of grace and truth. He, the Word was made flesh. And He yielded Himself in Matthew 5.17, Think not, I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy but to fulfill. As I said, He fulfilled the law in every detail. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that we have a high priest who cannot be touched, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was not one that could not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So according to that passage there, Jesus Christ had been tempted in every way that you've ever been tempted, and yet without sin. What do we do when temptation gets too great? Then we fall, we give in. I want to say something else about this verse. He was not only due, he was not only dispatched, he was, not, uh, he was deity in the flesh, but he was deliverance. As in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He's our deliverance. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Wasn't that what our text said? He redeemed us, those that were under the law. And even though we might not have known all the Old Testament law as Gentiles, the Bible says there's a law that's written in our conscience. And we were all under that, as it tells us in Galatians there also, that we were like uh, children, as children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. We're all held in that, and he came to deliver us. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible seed, as silver and gold received by tradition from your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. All the burden, all the weight, all the condemnation, all the guilt that was placed upon Jesus Christ and ours have been taken away. It's charged to him. I remember the story about a little girl was in the store and went sat upon Santa's lap and gave her him a great big list of expensive toys to receive for Christmas. And he, she jumped down off of Santa's lap and started to leave. And her mother said, Haven't you forgotten something? 
And she turned around and said, yes, charge it. And that's exactly what has happened in our case. That is a simple explanation of what took place, but it has a lot of truth in that. We charge it to Jesus Christ. Every sin is charged to him, and we're delivered. You probably were made to read, if you went to public school, the story of the tale of two cities by Charles Dixon. And two main characters there were Charles Darnay and uh, Sidney Carlton. Carlton. And Charles Darnay was a Frenchman, and he was uh, going to be uh, executed by a guillotine. Uh, Carlton was uh, a lawyer that wasted his life with uh, riotous, riotous living. And so uh, they were very close friends, and Carlton felt like that his life wasn't worth anything, so he decided to go down in the dungeon where Darnay was and take his clothes, put them on him, and let Darnay go free. And the next morning, Carlton walked up the steps to the guillotine, and these are the words he said before he died in the place of Darnay. I see the lives of which I lay down my life peaceful, useful, progressive, or prosperous rather, and happy in that England which I shall see no more. It is far, far better thing that I do than I've ever done. It is far, far better rest that I go to than I've ever known. And that is another illustration of what Jesus Christ had done for us. He took our place. And we have deliverance. Do you have deliverance tonight? Are your sins on him? Has there been a time in your life when you realized that you were a sinner? I think about the time I was raised in a Christian home. We had devotions up until something had happened in our home. And my mother thought we ought to stop because it was causing problems, but I mean, for years we had devotions, we went to church, and we continued to go to church, but I remember uh, one Sunday morning in a church service in Lansing, Michigan, reading the words of the hymn that they were closing the service with, and it said something, it was a, it was a re- time of revival, they were closing out a revival, I remember reading those words in that hymn, it said something about being lost and going to hell. A lot of people today don't believe there's a hell. But the Bible, Jesus spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven. And there is a place where people go that reject Jesus Christ. Christ is the only hope. He's the only deliverance. And if we don't turn to him, there is no hope. I do not care what others teach and what they say. Uh, I believe this book. It's it's true. And I remember as I thought about going to hell, what it would be like, and all of a sudden God said to me, you're going. That's what's going to happen to you. I I, I read my Bible. I went to church. I tithed. I prayed. I talked to people about the Lord. But I was lost. 
and on my way to hell. And I went forward that morning. They took me in the back and nobody showed me how to, from the Bible, how to be saved. They just prayed with me. I don't want to tell you all the details of my salvation, but I, I remember ending up in the pastor's office in Akron, Ohio, where we went to church. And he showed me how Christ died for me. He said, he asked me what my name was. I said, Marshall, he took me to John 3.16, showed me that Christ died for me. And he told me how he had shed all of his blood and he and just gave a testimony. I can remember, I could tell you about every word he said in that, that day in that office. And that morning, as he talked about Jesus dying for me, I looked to, I looked to Christ. And I said, Lord, I, I believe you died for me. And that's when I got peace. It's so simple. Why, why would we neglect it? Why would we turn away from it? Uh, when you realize you have a need, you need to come and trust Him. And lastly, I want you to see His design here. He said that we, He would call us, redeem us from under the law, that we might be His sons. In Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter five, I believe it is five, chapter five or six, it talks about uh, we are the sons and daughters. Of God, so he's not saying it just sons. It's a generic term there. That uh, whosoever believeth on him, he brings deliverance to us. In John chapter, first John chapter three, verses one and two, it says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not." Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And he's coming back, folks. One lady said, I'm, I'm standing on tiptoes looking for him. How do you feel about the coming of Christ? Or when's, uh, when's the last time you thought about Christ coming back again? I hope it was today, because we need to be watching for him to come back. Will you be ready to go? Are, are you, so to speak, standing on your tiptoes waiting for Jesus to come and take you out? Uh, if not, you need to be ready. And you could come even tonight and trust Him as your Savior. You know, the best, the best is yet to come. And I'm glad of that. I look back over my life of 82 years and plus, and I think, oh, I could have done so much more. But I thank God that He allowed me to believe upon His Son. I thank God He came into this world the way He did, fulfilled Scripture, and went to the cross, and not only died for us, but He rose again, and He puts power in the gospel. He's alive tonight, and whosoever will may come and take Him, because He encourages us to come, and He will receive us if we'll yield to him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we thank you tonight that you came into this world and we're celebrating your coming. 
this very night, Lord, we've sung songs about you and about you, your coming into the world and why you came, and we've spoken about why you came, Lord, tonight. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, be with anyone here that is not sure that if they left this world, they'd go to heaven. Uh, Lord, we know that you're willing for anyone who comes ready to save them. You're willing to save them and seal them, and, and when they leave this world, they'll know for sure they're going to heaven. I want to come back to you, Lord, in a moment of prayer, but while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder if there's anyone here that would say, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. You do not speak a word. You don't have to speak out loud, but we'd like to pray for you. And you can indicate that need by lifting your hand. If you're not sure, you left this world. You go to be with the Lord in heaven. And you're concerned about it. You'd like to lift your hand and say, by that, remember me in prayer. Anyone would lift it up and say, I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'd like to be sure. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand? All right, thank you. Anyone else tonight? Say, remember me in prayer? I'm not sure. Anybody else? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you would, please. We don't want to embarrass anyone. I'll tell you one thing. When you stand before God without Christ, you're going to be embarrassed. I believe everything you've ever done is going to be shown. God knows all about it. Anyone else? While we wait just a moment longer before we go back to the Lord in prayer, I wonder if there's any tonight that say, I'm getting a little cold in my Christian walk. I'm getting away from the, the Lord and studying his Bible and praying and talking to him and talking to others about him. I've gotten a little cold. Would you pray for me? Would you be honest tonight? Lift your hand. Any others tonight? Remember me in prayer. Yes. Fire's gone out a little bit. Pray for me tonight. Lord, we thank you for these that lifted their hand. We pray for the one that lifted their hand about not knowing for sure they're going to heaven. I pray, God, that you'd meet their need even tonight. And those who lift their hand about uh, some coldness that come into their heart, I, I pray, Father, that you would uh, just draw them back and warm their heart, Lord, for you. I pray you're blessed in this invitation time. That you'd be glorified in it, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Shall we stand?